Hey there, campers. Welcome to another episode of Outdoors Podcast. I know it's been a while, but I've got some super exciting updates for the channel. Uh, first of all, I will be embarking on a whole series of interviews with professional fly fishing guides, kicking off with today's episode. Uh, if you have an idea for a name for this new series, but it's part of the podcast, leave a comment on the Facebook or Instagram post for this episode. Uh, I'm looking for some ideas, and I'm hoping that the creative juices of the group uh, can help me find something fun. So secondly, I am currently in the process of documenting a three-year study on planting wild brown trout in Missouri watersheds. So if that kind of thing is interesting to you or how we're doing it, what the effect's going to be, uh, head on over to the YouTube channel or the website at outdoorspodcast.com slash blog to see those videos. I'm partnering with uh, the Gateway chapter of Trout Unlimited on this project. They are doing all the work, and I'm simply behind the camera, but it's been really fun to learn about this project and what they're doing. Uh, it's going to be a three-year study, so definitely go check that out. Uh, like I said, if you're just a listener of the podcast, definitely go to the website at outdoorspodcast.com. I write blogs. I do videos. Uh, there's trip reports and gear reviews and all kinds of other content that's not just contained here in these interviews. So uh, finally, I will be getting married this fall in Boulder, Colorado, and I just wanted to give a shout out to my fiance, Sarah, who is absolutely crushing our wedding planning. Uh, I am so grateful for everything you have done so far, babe. So thank you, and I love you. My guest on the show today and the first of many fly fishing guides, professional fly fishing guides that I'll be interviewing this year is James Gerritsen. James is the owner of About Trout Guiding Service in Shama, New Mexico, and he guides on the Conejos, the Bravos, the Shama, and the San Juan Rivers. Uh, he's got a fantastic YouTube channel of the same name, About Trout, so definitely go check that out if you're into the whole YouTube world. He's great on social media, so check him out for sure. Uh, James and I talked about how he got into professional guiding, how to, to find a great guide no matter where you're going to be. Uh, how to be a good fly fishing client. That was really important to me as somebody that's new in the, the sport. As I start to hire guides, I want to know, you know, how to be the guide that, that guides really enjoy uh, uh, guiding for. So, you know, I asked him some of those questions. Uh, I asked him for what he looks for in fishing opportunities when he's out on his own and, and kind of how he evaluates those. Uh, why does he love New Mexico so much? Because it's very clear that he, he's got a lot of pride in that state and living there. Uh, and he also recommends some other great guides that people should seek out, which I think is really cool that uh, he wants to draw attention to some other guides as well. So I really enjoyed talking to James. I'm pretty confident this won't be the last episode we do together. So let's jump right in. We're slightly above everybody else on the intellectual <laughs> scale, I think. Altitude sickness is no joke. Once it gets below zero, it's cold. There are a lot less sportsmen now than there were, say, 20 years ago. You're actually, you were used as a pawn okay. in our game to figure out what it was that we were doing wrong. You know, at that point, we didn't have one great tent. Like, we had one good tent, one not good tent. <laughs> yeah. Wind was just whipping. Uh, there was, like, snow BBs <laughs> just, like, pelting the face. <laughs> Recording started. Welcome, welcome. James Garrett's All right, man. Hey, happy to be here coming at you from the metropolis of Chama, New Mexico. Yeah, very excited to have you, man. So I came about your channel through YouTube. Uh, so uh, your YouTube channel is about trout. I know that you're kind of across the internet landscape, Instagram and all the other social media channels and things of that nature. Uh, how long have you been on YouTube? How long has your channel been going? 
So my channel has been going for I think a little over two years. I started it loosely in the summer of 2018, and then it just started to grow. Uh, my buddy Ben, shout out, huge fly fisherman. We collaborated on some videos and just hanging around him. You know, his work ethic is awesome. Dude's a rock star. So I got some of that residue um, and decided to take the channel, you know, more seriously just to talk fly fishing with others that are about it and, you know, just highlight some of the stuff that we have to offer here in northern New Mexico. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, we were kind of talking a little bit beforehand and we were kind of chatting about how you got into fly fishing early on, you know, kind of living on the East Coast and then eventually have made your your transition and, and moved over into New Mexico. But we didn't really kind of get into how you got into guiding. And so, you know, kind of kick off the conversation. Uh, you know, coming out of, you know, being 16, you've got your driver's license, you've got your fly rod, you're out running around all over the place trying to get out. How did you go from that point to becoming, you know, a fly fishing guy? Because, you know, as we were talking a little bit earlier, I'm like two years into the into the activity, the sport, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and someone with your kind of experience that's been doing it as long as you have, you know, I, I've got all kinds of questions that we're going to get into. But but how did you get to the point where you knew this is what you want to do with your career? Yeah, absolutely, AJ. I mean, you know, with two years of experience, according to Instagram, once you get a CBD <laughs> deal, you know, you're a fishing guide. So don't don't give up on the dream. Weight but... loss tea. Weight loss tea. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, you know, growing up on the East Coast, I, I remember, you know, I worked for Orvis when I was 14. My mom had to drive me to work, work for L.L. Bean. You know, I went to college in Montana and I worked at the Missoulian Angler out there. Um, so, I mean, I've always been in shops since I was 14 years old, but, you know, coming from the East Coast and that culture, a career in the outdoor industry doesn't exist or it's not taken seriously. You know, I mean, a lot of my friends are lawyers and doctors and accountants, and it's, there is that pressure, especially coming from the DC area, you know, that you, you, that's, that's what you do. That's, that's expected, you know? So I did have a white collar job. Um, after college and it just, it didn't, wasn't for me. And I just missed being outside and I wanted to take a run of it. So I, I moved to Seattle. I was working at Avid Angler out there. And then I had some family stuff that brought me to New Mexico. So it was funny. I was working at Avid Angler and this girl came in and she was like, Hey, you know, my boyfriend's a fishing guide in New Mexico. If you're ever out there, you know, look him up. And I told her, Hey, I'm never going to New Mexico, but I'll take his business card. Well, three months later, you know, I end up in New Mexico. Um, and I ended up moving in Taos. I was guiding in Taos uh, for a little bit. And, you know, it, it was it was a great experience. And, you know, I, I started building a family, and I just made the jump to go independent. And so came over to Chama. It gave me closer access to rivers like the Conejos. The Chama here is five minutes from my house. And then the San Juan's an hour and 15 minutes away. So you kind of get that Southwest sampler. And, um, you know, it, it's it's been great. I can feed a family off fly fishing. And that's really just a, a beautiful thing. So when you moving out West, you know, you see other guides, you see other successful guides, and it's not this pipe dream that you would think it was on the East Coast. You know, it's a very real career decision. Then I also saw that, you know, going to school in Montana for a little bit and, and seeing that, oh, wow, you know, these guys have families and they're supporting them and they're doing what they love. So Yeah, it was funny. I had a pair of Orvis waders that I recently sold to a guy through you know Facebook Marketplace or something, and he was coming through town, and so he kind of scooped them up and 
the guy was a lot bigger than me, and I was like, you're not buying these for you. You know, who are you, who are you giving these to? I mean, this guy was like, you know, I'm, I'm like 5'9", 180 pounds. This guy's like 6'4", 280. And he's like, oh, no, they're, they're going to my son. He's, he's going to Montana for uh, college next year. He just tore a you know, big hole in his waders. He's going to be a replacement. I was like, oh, that's cool. What's he going to you know, major in? And he goes, fly fishing. And I was like, oh, <laughs> funny, you know, very funny. And he was like, no, that's, that's his major. And I was like, oh. you can major in fly fishing? And he was like, yeah. I mean, he, there's, a, there's a business track. There's, like, all kinds of different things. And I was just like, oh, that's really interesting. And he was like, yeah, he had a scholarship to join the bass fishing team at some other school. And he turned that down. I was like, there's scholarship bass fishing in college? And he was like, yeah, full ride to, I can't remember what school he said, but it was pretty wild conversation. And it just made me realize, like, I watched a documentary with Joe Humphreys late, or, or, you know, just recently. And he, he said, my name is Joe Humphreys, and I'm a professional fly fisherman. And I was just like... That's dope. That guy said he's a professional fly fisherman. He didn't say, like, I'm a guide, I'm a this. He's just, I, I figured out a way to get paid to fly fish. That's awesome. And <laughs> I just, that's, you know, he teaches, he, he's sponsored, he does blah, 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 all these different things. But what he identifies as is, like, I figured it out, I get paid to fly fish. <clears throat> I think that's fucking awesome. Uh, so the fact that you figured it out and, and had enough people around you that kind of made you realize like, oh yeah, there's an actual run of this and you can make it work. That's pretty badass. Yeah. I mean, I've, you know, I've been blessed to have, you know, mentors in my life, like Richie Farino, uh, from for, you know, he started a fly shop in DC district angling, you know, and he's had a huge impact, um, on his encouragement and just kind of navigating through the space because being a fly fishing guide, I remember being 14 years old at Orvis and I said to the fishing manager, like, I want to do that, getting paid to fish. And that's not what guiding is, you know? I mean, I think if you show up, (laughs) yeah, you're paying to be guided. If you show up on a trip and you, you know, guy rigs you one knot, girl, and disappears into the woods and you got this, I don't, I don't know (laughs) how I would feel about that, but you know, it's because people ask me, you know, do you ever wish you had the rod in your hand? And I always tell them the same thing. It's like, I love fly fishing and I love guiding. When I'm fishing, I wear my fishing hat and you probably wouldn't want to hire me then. And when I'm guiding, I have my guiding hat, you know, and I, I love doing it. And um, just getting to show people the outdoors and break things down for them and just building those friendships and positive memories on the water, man. That's, that's what it's all about. Yeah, so so as a guide, this is one of the things that I'm kind of always curious about. Uh, I've got a buddy uh, named Max. Shout out to Max who uh, guides up in Craig, Montana, uh, at a Headhunters fly shop. And uh, Max, I think, is going up into his second season up there. He guided in Colorado before that. He's a badass dude. He worked at the shop here in St. Louis. That's how he and I met. Um, and you know, one of the things that I always ask Matt or, or ask Max is how how much of the job of guiding is putting people on fish and how much of it is just making sure people have, like, a good time, right? Like, food, entertainment, joking, making sure that they're noticing, like, the cool shit on the river, hey, there's an eagle, whatever it may be. You know what I mean? Like No, absolutely. That, that kind of stuff, like, how, you know, do, if you had to kind of, like, put it in a pie chart, like, do you, you know, I mean, can people have a good day being guided without catching fish? I mean, 
<laughs> I think there's there's different ways to approach that conversation, right? Because different clients want different things out of the day. So like I might book clients that they want, you know, like they just want a Euro nymph. They want me to break down leaders, reading the river. They want to be able to, I always say, I've done my job when I can almost put myself out of the job. So can I give you a toolbox to come back and do this? You know, if I get, hey, we're in town riding the train and Shama, um, you know, we're going to try this fly fishing thing and probably never do it again. I think that's when you focus more on sort of like natural history. I mean, I still always want to put my people on fish, right? Um, because I think that's still part of it. Um, but I think it has, it has to be the mix. You have to match your day to the clients. Some people, they want to fish sun up to sundown and I'm all about it. And some people, you know, they want to watch ospreys, catch a couple fish and learn about some geological formation. So I think kind of having all that is only, only a positive. Gotcha. Gotcha. So here's a, here's the kind of the noob question when it comes to guides, right? So we're from St. Louis. We fish, you know, mainly the rivers of kind of like the Ozarks, you know, a lot of, of kind of smaller rivers. We don't have a ton of floating here. Uh, so it's mainly just kind of waiting stuff. Uh, I've done some, you know, floating with some, a couple buddies and some eight weight kind of like, you know, streamer fishing to bass and stuff like that. Uh, if I'm going out west or if I'm going to come down to New Mexico for whatever the hell I'm going to come down there for, I've done enough fishing where like I'm not a total amateur that's never going to do it ever again. If I go and say like, hey, I'm going to be in this area, I have the internet, I have a laptop. What is the best way to find like the diamond in the rough gem guides and not like the dude who shows up first on Google, right? Because like, I know there's a difference between being a badass fishing guide and being really good at marketing and getting your name out there. So like, what's, what's your advice for someone like myself that like wants to find even the crusty old dude that like sucks at Yelp? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> how do you find that guy? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, right? Because there's, you know, there's guide services, there's independent guides, there's contract guides. I mean, that could also be a whole nother topic, I guess, for a whole nother day. But the, I mean, the, the best way I would say is, you know, referrals, you're not going to go wrong, you know, with a referral. So if you had someone that had a good guide out in New Mexico, and you want to talk to somebody that probably has the same expectations you do, if it's your friend that, you know, they just got in the fishing, they, their second time they went out, you know, definitely listen to what they have to say, but I would say, look, you know, talk to somebody with about your skill set or, or, or what you want to do. And then the other thing is, if you call a shop or you call an independent guide, I mean, you can vet them. You know, I'll have people tell me, and, and full disclosure, you know, there's some stuff I do, I, I guide private water, right? It, it's the nature of the beast. It's, it's an artificial thing. They, the fish are big. They feed them. And some people love it. And some people, that's the last thing they want to do. And I'll tell them straight up, you know. I do this, 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 and this. Tell me what you want to do. So I think it's a team sport that working with your guides, so being upfront about your expectations for the day, what you want to do, what you want to accomplish, that's how you're going to get the best trip. Because if you call, like, an outfitter and they have 10 guides on the roster, and let's say you want to do streamer fishing or, like, Tenkara, they might only have one or two guides that does that. And if you don't mention that, you know, you can't expect everybody to have – the same things, right? There's some guys that are killer at streamers, some guys that are awesome at nymphing, some that do it all. So just being upfront with what you want to get out of your day, you know, like anything, like a good marriage, right? Just uh, <laughs> communication is key. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So speaking of streamer fishing, uh, Ben did tell me to ask about the first time you guys went fishing together. 
Oh, gosh. Yeah. So <laughs> I drove up from New Mexico uh, to meet Ben. We kind of met somewhere equidistant and we were filming and we had to like shoot this scene where we were like tying bootlaces because it was like about guide school. And I picked up a stump and I dropped it and I had a three quarter of an inch splinter go right into my thumb. And, uh, I, you know, I was wincing and I was like, man, you have your forceps. Like I didn't bring my med kit cause it's in my boat bag. Um, and I don't travel with it. Things you know? to keep in your car to have your trip from going failure. <laughs> exactly. So I, you know, I always, I, I keep a, you know, I keep a first aid kit on me when I'm working, but not when I'm fun fishing. And, uh, Ben had one, the tweezers didn't work. And then he's like, Hey man, like just cut a beer can and like hack it open. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. So I, I went to the hospital I went to the the local clinic and they're like, we can't do this. We're going to send you to like surgery. So I, I go in, the surgeon comes in and he's fly fish too. So we're chatting it up and they like start injecting me. I can, you know, they numb my thumb out and I can hear him. He's like, I can see it. He's like, Oh shoot. I, I dropped it. And I was like, Oh no. And uh, he's like, man, I'm just going to load you up on antibiotics and let this thing push itself out. I'm like, please don't, you know? And <laughs> um, finally one last pass, they pulled it out. It was like a three quarter of an inch long splinter. And then I was like, on like a Vicodin cruise for the rest of that trip. Oh my God. So I'm guessing it pretty much just next to the majority of your fishing or did you just fight no, through I mean, it and get get after I, I, it. I, I wrapped that thing up and we fished the next day oh <laughs> so if you go back and watch that video you can tell what's day one because i don't have a cast on and then day two you can see my hand all taped up hilarious <laughs> hilarious when i was 10 years old or so my dad was putting siding on our house and or on our garage and was using an air nailer and it ricocheted off the siding and a nail went straight up his thumb Oh, and I, I have like very vivid memories of him, like, like walking around, stomping around the yard and then just yanking it out of his, his hand and duct taping it and eventually like basically getting back after it. So, yeah, <laughs> old man strong. I, I admire your uh, tenacity getting back on the river. I mean, I guess you got to make the best of, of a good trip. Right. Make the proverbial lemons out of lemonade, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> So, so you came to New Mexico, you know, family brought you there. You had issues, you know, or, or reasons to come to New Mexico. What is it about the state or the rivers that have kept you there long-term? And like, what is it that you love about that area? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I moved from New Mexico or from Seattle, the Pacific Northwest to New Mexico. So like totally different animals, like the Northwest is salmon steelhead, some trout fishing, you know I mean? I, I was in a Druid community. The cult that I tried to start didn't work out. So that was another <laughs> big impetus to move down to New Mexico. I saw Breaking Bad and figured, hey, you know, I could do this. Right. So, um, but yeah, I came down to New Mexico. I didn't think it would be long term, um, but I just fell in love with the rivers here and just the diversity of options. So, I mean, you know, from small creeks, cutthroats, brook trout, you know, you can float rivers like the San Juan and get really hyper technical. You can fish rivers like the Chama, you know, freestone stuff. I mean, where I'm located in Chama, I mean, there's more water in two hours than you could fish. I mean, we have the upper Rio Grande in Colorado, the Conejos, you know, but in terms of what I guide, I focus on the San Juan, the Chama, you know, the Brazos here, which is a smaller creek, and then some Conejos stuff, so private, private water over there. Um, and it's just, you know, anything that you want to do. Do you want to throw big drives? Do you want a Euronymph? Do you want a streamer fish? 
do you want a trout spay? Well, I mean, we can, we can do it all. And, right. and that's, what's kept me here. Um, and also, you know, New Mexico is still a place left in the guide world where you can get permits. So, you know, where you can guide is dictated on what permits that you can get. So as an independent, you know, I can pick up permits to guide what I want to. Whereas if I was in a state like Colorado, it, you know, it's, it's tougher to get. So it's, it's just a great place to be from just, you know, the solitude. We're not as popular, um, not because our fishing is any worse, but just because some of the places I guide, you got to hike. And so it's still an awesome, an awesome place where I can tell my clients, you're not going to see anybody. And it's, it's hard. It's getting harder and harder to find that in the West. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine. I mean, you know, I would, I think that when a lot of people think about Western fly fishing, especially when you're first getting going, especially, you know, from somebody like myself in the Midwest, it's the vision is like a clack of craft boat and, you know, amazing, huge dries and this amazing giant river. And you forget about this completely other, you know, huge landscape of fly fishing that's really cool. I've got a buddy here in St. Louis that uh, has been in a fly fishing probably as long as me, but is one of those dudes that just went all in. I mean, and is just super into it. He's, he was on the podcast a couple of episodes ago. His name's Ed. He's fucking awesome. Uh, and he's really into tying. He's, he dies, ties huge stuff, dies little bitty tiny dries. I think he'll probably get into Euronymphing eventually, so I'm definitely going to, like, push him towards your channel. Uh, but one of the things that he's really into is small stream fishing and he's got like little bitty glass rods and he's got little three weight stuff. And he brought me out one day to this little tiny, you know, tiny Creek, just basically outside of St. Louis. And we had an absolute blast catching little panfish and chubs like this long, a little finger sized fish. And it, I mean, just any little pool you threw a dry fly into, there was hammering. It was fantastic. We had a ton of fun. And I was just like, oh, there's this huge other category of fishing that I was completely turning off before that I'm now like very hyper interested in. And I actually just got a three weight for Christmas for that exact reason so that I can start doing like more of that kind of delicate small stuff. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad that like you get to guide on such a diverse group of rivers. I mean, that's really badass that you get that, that opportunity. No, man, it definitely, it keeps it interesting, you know? I mean, and I think it, that's the, the, the best part about fly fishing is it's supposed to be fun. You know, it's not, it's not like basketball or golf. There's no point system, you know? And I think sometimes people lose that. Like we're not curing cancer, right? We're fooling animals with pea sized brains. We don't have to get like so uptight about you have to do it this way and that way. Just do it and have fun as long as it's, you know, legal slash ethical. Like don't be ripping fish off reds and, yeah. you know, snap, whatever. But like if you're having fun and I, I tell that to them, like, look, if you're not having fun, you're doing this wrong and that you can do it you know where you live i mean i grew up out on the east coast when i was in high school i took advantage of not being 18 and i'd go sneak into the golf courses at night and throw poppers for bass you know uh which was great yeah. you know i remember we got busted one time and, and you know it's like hey i mean there's worse things a 17 year old could be doing on a friday night exactly. than bass fishing exactly. you know um and and that was really coming from the east coast um was really cool because we have everything so like even growing up inside of dc there was a there's a spring creek that i used to be able to fish 45 minutes from my house for wild rainbow trout you have smallmouth and largemouth in the potomac you have striped bass you can go to the beach and so it just taught, you know, to taught me 
to just appreciate fishing, you know, where you are too. I mean, I think trout are great and I love, I mean, my guide service is about trout. Obviously I love trout, but if you live in Texas or you live in Oklahoma or somewhere where there's not trout close by, you can have just as much fun fishing for panfish and, and, you know, just getting out there. Yeah. Yeah. One of the huge mistakes that I made. So my parents and I grew up here in St. Louis They sold their house, sold their cars, bought a sailboat, and basically cruised up and down the East Coast for, you know, the vast majority of the last seven or eight years. And then they eventually settled, uh, you know, kind of in the South Carolina area. And where they live, there's some really crazy good redfish, apparently. Uh, And the last time we were out there, I made zero attempt to get a guide or to just learn anything. And it was just a huge oversight where I was like, oh, now that I know what red fishing is about. I was like, Oh my God, I could have spent like a week just absolutely cruising around with guides and having a great time, just crushing fish the size of tanks and having an absolute (laughs) blast. That would have been super fun. Uh, and so now like the next time we go out there, that's definitely going to be like a big part of it. So yeah, I'm, I'm super pumped that like I'm starting to kind of figure that stuff out. So that's like one of the reasons that I asked you the, the, how to find the right guide type question you know, because there's a few outfitters that I know that I'll call and kind of start there, but I wanted to kind of see if there's, you know, other angles to take. So on that path, as a client, how do I not be the client that you call all your guide buddies and go like this fucking asshole? Like, <laughs> like how do you be the guy that the guide's like, dude, I actually had a fucking awesome client today. We had a good time. This was a good time. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm pretty blessed. I mean, I absolutely love all my clients to death. I mean, I, you know, and being independent, I think I have more flexibility. If I'm like on the phone with someone to be like, yeah, I'm booked that day, you know? Um, but I, I've been, I would say like over the years guiding, there's like only one guy that sticks out in my mind that I would never take out again, you know? So um, I mean, it's, it's just getting along with, with people is what it is. I think it's just, you know, common sense stuff. Um, and I think the biggest thing would just be being honest with your skill sets. And, you know, it's like, uh, if you've ever read the book, like 48 laws of power, right? Like law one, never outshine the master, I guess. Right. But so it's like, you know, if you, if you book a guide, you're booking them, you know, to, to teach you something and, you know, maybe I think what sets guides off the most is if you tell somebody something and it's like, well, in Montana, we did this. It's like, well, we're not in Montana. If you take me there, you can show me how. Um, but I think just having that open line of communication and being open to what the guide says, you know, and I think it can definitely be tough for like younger guides. Uh, we had that conversation where, you know, I'm 30 and I've been, I've been fly fishing since I was 11. I mean, most year, most years on the water over 200 days. And, you know, people will say, well, I've been fly fishing longer than you've been alive. And I'm like, right. But like five times 30 is one fifty, And I did that last season or right. I did that in eight months. So I think without saying, I don't want to ever come off as condescending or I don't view, I mean, to me, you know, these people are taking time out of their schedule and, you know, for some people, money's not the issue. Time is. And so anyone that's going to book a day with me, I definitely am incredibly appreciative and respectful of the fact that they could be doing anything else. You know, if you have the money for a guide trip, there's, you have the money for a lot of things. And so I think, 
you know, it, it's on the guide too. You know, you need to be respectful of your client's time. You also, it's not Hollywood. You're not going to get all these rock star clients that know how to fish and like and do all that. That's your job. If you don't like untying knots and you don't like patiently instructing, then you shouldn't be a fishing guide. So I think like, yeah, there's things that the client can do too. But I think as, as a guide, there's things that you need to do to ensure that everything's positive, you know, if that makes sense. I'm not trying to be circular, but I, no, yeah. I, I mean, sometimes, sometimes guides get this reputation of like, you, you know, you, you it's a privilege to be in the boat with me, blah, blah, blah. And I, I, I don't have patience for that stuff. I think like, you know, work, work together, listen to your guide, be realistic about your goals. Like if you look previous to our last conversation, if you are like, you know, I, I don't want to dry fly fish and they take you to a Creek and you dry fly fish. Well, that's on the guide, you know, uh, unless it's like, everything's blunt. We have one option. This is what we're going to do. Right. But I, I think if you were like, I don't like to dry fly fish. Great. You've eliminated potential disappointment if that makes sense yeah that makes sense that you know and and so kind of piggybacking on that one of the things that i've found and i actually kind of learned some of this in in your buddy's video about fly shop etiquette uh i figured out that after about you know a year of hanging out at the fly shop and going in there that i've gotten a lot from them i've certainly spent a lot of money back with them but one of the things that i figured out is like if i bring some sausages because they've got a Weber grill out by the back and every now and then they've got, you know, some charcoal going. Uh, if I bring in, you know, eight or 10 like decent sausages and just throw those up on the counter and be like, Hey guys, I appreciate you. Thanks. Then inevitably I get invited to something like two weeks later that only a few people get invited to, or I brought in a $7 peach pie one day. And just like threw that up on the counter and they were just like, oh, snap. And then all of a sudden I got invited to like a TU event that's turned into a bunch of other stuff and some video work and like all kinds of things. So if a client shows up with a thing, what is like the dream thing that a guide could be like, oh, snap, that's awesome. <laughs> like yeah. what could a client bring that would surprise you but make you be like, oh, that's awesome. I, you know, beer. Okay. Simple, <laughs> simple. So keep, keep it simple. I mean, you, you know, you do have to be, you know, a lot of guys don't drink, so yeah. that could also, <laughs> but, um, you know, circling back to your point, you know, I have been a client when I was a kid, right? Like saltwater fishing. And there's two guides that had a humongous impact on how I view that relationship today. In the first one, and sorry to be off tangent, but but I think this is important. The yeah. first one, I was 17 years old. I was working at LLB and I saved up all this money. I'm, I'm a kid. And I called this guide and I was, and, and, you know, he's whatever, we're going to go out and fish. And he calls me the night before. He's like, we're not going to fly fish. And I was like, okay. You know? And, um, my dad was like, well, just call him back and see if he wants to reschedule. Right. So I call him back and he's like, no, I'm like, okay. And he probably thinks I'm some snot ear nose 17 year old kid. Well, I meet him at the boat ramp. The first words out of this guy's mouth is today is going to suck. Right. And I'm like, so I get in the front of his boat. He's like, let me see you cast, right? And he's like, oh, wow, you can fish. And, you know, the day sucked. It was horrible. We, we got skunked, which that happens, right? Sure. And, but the kicker is at the end of the day, he's like, oh, well, hey, if you have availability, I got openings like later in the week. And it's like, well, I asked you that before, right? And it, it you know, and so like that kind of stuff happens. Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's okay. You know, like it's, it's two sides of the coin. And then the second guide, I was in Florida. I was also in high school. His name's William Faulkner. Um, he's down out of like Chukalevsky, Florida. 
And I went out and, you know, super nice, super polite. Um, you know, he encouraged me to guide and I forgot to mention him earlier. We had a great day. And what really impressed me about Captain Bill was we were slamming fish and um, another boat cruised by and at a different spot. And that other guide kind of hinted that they were having a rougher day. And Bill was like, hey, why don't you try blah, 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 you know, this spot and like dipped. And like the fact that he went out of his way to be courteous to another guide to help them with their client, that stuck with me, you know, it'll stick with me to the day I die. And um, just kind of tale of two guides, tale of being a client and having maybe a negative experience and then going out. So it's, I mean, I hope, I hope that makes sense, ties it together that, you know, sometimes it's not, sometimes it's not you, you know, sometimes, unfortunately you get a bad guide. Sometimes you get a a bad doctor. Life happens. For sure. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm, I'm a big fan of like, uh, I'm a, I kind of go by the motto of all ships rise together. I'm a big fan of like bring your friends with you, right? And Donald Cerrone, who's a, an MMA fighter, I'm a UFC dude. Uh, I heard him say a quote one time that he goes, "The top is only lonely if you don't bring your friends with you." And so, whether that guy's a friend or not, like you know, he's in the same career, he has the same struggles. If that guy's struggling to put people on fish, good on your buddy, uh, you know, or good on that guide for being like, "Hey, look, I respect your struggle." I'm going to help you out. I understand your client struggle. I'm going to make sure that we all have a good experience together. Like, that's awesome, man. That's what life's about, right? I mean, that's what we're all in this for. 100%. Rising tide lifts all shifts, baby. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So, I mean, as someone that's kind of been there and done that, what do you think are some of the easiest ways to kind of up-level fishing faster? Is it just purely more days on the water? Yeah. I mean, there's really no substitution for time on the water. And like the biggest thing is fish where you're at. Like if you're like in Texas and you can fish for bass, it's going to make you a better trout angler because you're going to become a better caster. You're going to still read water. I mean, fish, you know, different species have their different quirks, but you're going to get your casting dialed in. You know, you're going to have just a better understanding of general fish behavior and all that can do is benefit you. So I think fishing where you are and, and making the time. And then, you know, you can, of course, reading, watching YouTube videos, it's going to get you, you know, to a degree. It's kind of like, you know, I, I, I used to wrestle in high school. It's like, I could read as many wrestling textbooks as I wanted to, but until you're, you know, locked up with somebody, it's a, it's a whole different ball game. And I think it's the same for fishing. You can read and get kind of an understanding, but until you're up in the mix, you know, for um, sure. just, just fish more. For sure, for sure. <laughs> so when you're thinking about places that you want to go fish, like obviously you get a shit ton of opportunities to fish where you're at and you get a diverse group of rivers but when you're thinking about going other places what do you think about like where do you want to go and what are some of the things that you look for when you're evaluating places to go absolutely that's a great question so i mean i think you know when you when you're looking at these magazine destinations like fishing is still fishing so like I mean, for me, I work so much um, between just guiding full time, doing YouTube, answering emails, you know, like I got a, my hand, you know, there's, there's a lot of moving parts. Um, so I want to go somewhere where I know that like expectations could be met like really simply. So for example, I took a trip in May to go fish for Gila and Apache trout. The goal was to catch one of each, right? And then right. after that, it was fun. There's not the stress where like, I used to live in Seattle and then I, I went up to Washington for like a week with my buddies and there just wasn't a lot of fish around. I hooked one and lost it, you know, and it's like 
put a week of time in, you know, so I, I want to find something for me. I just kind of set the ball, like set the bar low, I guess, lower my expectations and live at the top. So for me, like fishing for new species is always super fun. Um, you know, I do like saltwater. I haven't, I haven't got to do it in a long time. I fished in California for surf perch with case, uh, guide out there, Casey cloud guide buddy of mine. That was super fun. But I think just trying new things. I mean, dream destination would probably be like Atlantic salmon fishing or like going to Slovenia, um, would, would probably be my, my top two for marble trout, you know, or experiencing Atlantic salmon. But I think, you know, picking a destination too that you're going to be able to match to your time and your skill level. Like if you've been fly fishing for like 10 days, maybe booking a trip in saltwater where you need to cast 60 feet plus might, might not fit that. So if you go in with that expectation, it, you know, be, be realistic and like level the trip you know, to, to you. Like if you go do a steelheading trip with a guide, they're going to work their butt off, but it's steelheading. I mean, you might blank. So I think if, if catching fish is what you want to do, then go to a place where you're going to catch fish. Obviously there's variables with that, but I think be real with, with your expectation and your skill level. Gotcha. Gotcha. So as a YouTuber, as a guy that's obviously trying to build a brand and everything like that, uh, you've, you've had positions you've worked with, Orvis, L.L. Bean, like some of the iconic brands in the industry already, you know, working for Avid Anglers in Seattle, like that's pretty big brand as well. Uh, obviously, you got the sweatshirt representing <laughs> cool on that brand. Yeah. Good job. Uh, Shout out, Ryan. Yes. Good job. Uh, what would be like a brand or a group of brands that if all of a sudden you got that email tomorrow that was like, hey, we think what you're doing on YouTube is really badass. We want to put some money behind that. Or, you know, can you come help us? put this project together or, or film this who are some of the companies that you'd love to work with yeah i mean so on the ground level you know it was cool like i had a, i worked for orbis as an employee but never as like an ambassador like right. same with ll bean i mean i've been very fortunate i have had a relationship with echo where I, you know i was in echo you know i was on their promotional staff it's oh, funny cool. you see like pro staff thrown around it's, yeah. it's for promotional it's not like oh wow you're a badass here's a bunch of no it's like you help promote the brand, you know? Um, so I've had a relationship echo. I think recently they folded their pro program just because they've, they downsized. Um, so they're kind of going in a new direction with that, but I'm really blessed to work. I work with falling mill. I'm a falling mill ambassador. Oh, cool. Uh, and I mean, those guys are rock stars. They've really supported me. They make awesome product. I think they have some of the best hooks in the industry or the best hooks in the industry. Um, they're always doing fun stuff. Their tippets great. They just dropped some new fly lines. So I mean, I'm always I'm always open. I mean, their new fly boxes are sweet too. Oh, the new falling mill fly boxes are awesome. And yeah. the cool thing with them is living in the Southwest. Like, I'll be guiding for five days in a row and leave my boxes in my car, and it gets so hot it'll they'll delaminate. Uh, with falling mill's new box, if they don't mount it right, they have to redo it. So it's not going to come undone in your car on a hot summer day. So currently with falling mill. Um, and then, you know, I was with airflow, but they got bought out by the Mayfly group, which is like Ross reels, able that whole conglomerate. So I don't know what they're doing with us over there. I, I still haven't heard, but man, I mean, I, you know, I've always been a fan of Sage TNT. Uh, you know, I, I, I I mean, I'll be real, you know, I'm an Echo and a Sage guy, you know. So. That's fair. That's fair. No, 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 it's totally fair, man. I mean, are there, are there uh, you know, is it more about just kind of creating the connections and, and trying to kind of just grow the the thing organically? Or is do you have some sort of vision for where you want to take the channel? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, my big thing, you know, especially like moving forward with the channel is I want to give other guides a voice, and I need to be better about that because there's so many on. I talk about this all the time. There's so many unsung heroes of our sport that, like, I mean, like on Instagram, I have more followers than people that I probably shouldn't have more followers than. Right? I'm just better at, at marketing. You know, it, it doesn't. It, Instagram followers do not translate to skill set. Sure. So I think giving other guides like a platform. You know, I, I'm fortunate. I have guide buddies. You know, in Montana, and Colorado, and California, like all over the place, and giving them a platform to share their voice and share their skill sets in a very saturated space. But I mean, I, the, the goal of the channel is always to be really positive and encourage new, a space for like new anglers to get good information because you can read 57 things. There's so there, like, there's so many opinions, you know, and you know, the saying about that. And I always try to come from it from an angle of like, this is how I like to do it. It's worked for me. This isn't gospel. How fun. You know, if I said something, go ahead, prove me wrong. You're not going to hurt my feelings. But I, I don't talk in absolutes. It was funny because I wrote a piece on like tailwater fishing and it got edited to like, if this happens, then this doesn't happen. And it's like, that's not the voice that I want to share with people. I want to say, look, it's fishing. I mean, I've seen ridiculous things happen on the river. I've lucked into fish, you know, some big fish choose you sometimes, you know? So I think that's the goal of about trout. Keep it fun, keep it light, informational. Um, And then moving forward, just having that engagement with people. I think like a lot of people, Oh, I'm, I'm this, this, and this, and don't DM me and I'm not going to respond to you. And I always invite people that watch the channel to like, leave comments. I try to respond to every comment when people DM me with questions on Instagram. I've been there, you know, and I didn't have Facebook and I had to figure a lot of this out or like I get scared, you know, when I'm 13 in a fly shop, you know, and and I want to take that edge off. Fly fishing is for everybody. And I just want to, you know, be, leave a positive mark on the sport when they drop me in the ground. Yeah. I, I got really lucky. Like I've told the story on this podcast, I think probably in like nine out of the, I don't know, however many episodes. So I won't like really go into it, but basically I saw a backpacking YouTuber on a group backpacking trip pretty early into my like world on YouTube. And I was like, Oh my God, it's that dude. Let's it's the YouTuber. And he had like, you know, like, 2,500 followers or something like that. It was, you know, in the grand scheme of things, a very small channel, but I, I recognized like, Oh my God, I'm starstruck by a guy on YouTube. And then more recently I had a guy reach out on Instagram and kind of did the same thing to me, even though like I have this tiny channel and I was just like, Oh snap, cool. It's turning around. This is cool. Uh, so yeah, I really appreciate that you have that, that mentality. And I'm also you're, you're very aligned in one of the things that I love about fly fishing. You said this earlier. I've always said, like, you don't go, nobody goes fly fishing today to feed their family. You only really go fly fishing to have fun. And yes. I like hanging out with people that make a deliberate decision. They like spend money, they think about it, they plan to go out and have fun, to detach from their normal life and to just go enjoy the world. I think that's great. I want to hang out with oh, people like that. Absolutely. And I mean, I think that's the thing, you know, and Ben just did a video on like the realities of Instagram. And it's like, you have to realize like it's fly fishing. Like you can't compare yourself. Like, look, if you live in the Ozarks and you're fishing for in creeks, like you're not going to smack these giant, you know, Argentine fish, you know, big fish are where big fish are. And it's important to like, keep that perspective, like have fun. I mean, yeah, you're you have fun. You're not. It's it's just fishing. 
have fun. Yeah. I will say this though. Like one of the things that I've had uh, a really, this has been a crazy uh, endeavor because I went to this school, you know, like as I was talking a little bit before we, we jumped on uh, that taught you a lot about the outdoors. It was very experiential learning. We did a lot of like backpacking, canoeing, camping and stuff like that, but it never really sank in. It never created this connection to, the the natural world for me like fly fishing has so uh just recently i'll just kind of give a quick shout out to the you you talked about being involved in tu earlier uh i just got involved in a local chapter here in st louis the gateway chapter and we did recently did a, a brown trout basically rehabilitation program where we got wild uh brown trout eggs from a hatchery in utah uh, and or a fishery in Utah, and then basically implanted them using Dave Whitlock vibrant boxes in uh, Dry Creek here in, in uh, southern Missouri in Steelville. And we're doing a three-year study where we're going to be continually implanting these eggs. And we just went down and checked and emptied a couple boxes and had wild brown trout, like fish, swim out of the boxes into the stream. We're like, oh, my God, it's really cool. Uh, so it's created this really un- tr- real understanding of what it takes to help manage that ecosphere and that ecosystem and how we can have an impact on it and what we need to do to conserve it. I'm so much more connected to the ecosphere being a fly fisherman than I ever was in any of my other outdoor pursuits. Um, I think, you know, as a backpacker, you don't necessarily have the same impact on the land that you can in a, in a fishery or in a hatchery or any of these kinds of areas because, man, one little slip of the, of the, the history and we can destroy an entire area. So, you know. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that's the cool thing with fly fishing is that it's you're conscious because you're releasing the fish, you know? I mean, I you know, when someone asks me, hey, like, can we keep them? I might guide joke is I don't eat my business partners, you know? <laughs> so, and, and it's true. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, and, and look, I'm a profiteer off the land. Like, let's be real. You know, I, I'm exploiting a resource to feed my family, but at the same time, I need to be a steward of that resource and, and pass that on. And, you know, that the, the whole mentality of, you know, in the 1500s, chop down every tree, shoot every deer. It's, it, that doesn't exist anymore. You know, yeah. there's 300 million plus people in the United States and more and more people are getting outdoors and you can see that impact, you know, and it's, so it's really cool as anglers, you know, to be able to try to negate, you know, some of the things that come with land use and you're seeing campaigns of leave spawning fish alone, you know, and, or if you're in a stock fishery, don't worry, the truck's going to come back in two weeks and dump more. But for these wild fisheries, like make sure you're using barbless hooks and wetting your hands and protecting their slime coats and doing these things to ensure that these wild trout populations continue to reproduce and they'll be there for the next generation. That's cool. That's cool. Well, I, I want to kind of be conscious of your time. I know you've kind of got to get back to your life and, and all that stuff, but uh, one of the things that you mentioned earlier that I wanted to kind of give you an opportunity to maybe talk about a few other guys, uh, you said that there's, you know, kind of a, a few unsung heroes or, or a bunch of guides that maybe don't necessarily get the attention that they deserve. Have you got buddies or guides around the country that you think uh, people should definitely go fish with if they have the opportunity? Oh, absolutely. I mean, right off the bat, Casey Cloud, um, and I can drop you his information. He's in Southern California. He's out of Ventura and he does Corbina, Bard Surf Perch. He does bass fishing. It's super cool, like local where you are. And just everything that you would look for 
in a in a guide he you know i mean we fished his buddies and he kicked it in the guide mode and i felt like you know this was amazing the way that he broke down the water his understanding of the fish you know people like that need more exposure just the nicest guy in the world he wants to make sure you're having like the best time and if you're in southern california and you can't drive six hours to go fish the Owens. I mean, go fish, go fish in your backyard with Casey. So yeah, guys, guys like that, you know, my friend Doug Walker over here on the San Juan. Yeah. There's a lot of them, you know, um, you know, my, but John Legau uh, on the Arkansas, I mean, there's in Colorado and Salida, um, you know, my, Matt Miller is also a guide up there. Great guy. I mean, so I, I mean, I could go, could go on. Well, send on me, on. send me some links and on your page on my website, we'll put some links to some dudes. I mean, I don't get a ton of views, but you know, for the people that do come and check out the channel, uh, you know, if you're looking for awesome guides around the country, we'll put some links out to some of these dudes. And you know, if you're out looking for people to fish with, go to click on some of those people, go fish with those dudes. Absolutely. Cool. Well, I want to ask one last question before I let you get out of here. And it was something that we already kind of talked about offline on Instagram. And again, kind of appreciate you, you know, answering back DMs and stuff like that. That's really badass of you. I don't want to like, you know, tell everybody to flood your DMs or anything, but uh, really cool <laughs> that you, you answered mine. Uh, so I have gone fishing with a buddy of mine who's got, I want to say it was a stealth craft raft. Um, really fun boat to, to hang out in for the day. We had a really good time, fished out of the front of it, had plenty of room for dog in the back, have a good time. I've got two dogs. We're definitely going to have dogs forever. That's just part <laughs> of our life. That's just how it is. Um, one of the questions that I asked you was, you know, if money was no object and money is an object, I'm not a rich person by any means, shape or form. Uh, everything is considered. But uh, if, if money was no object, would you, you know, what boat would you get? And then also, if you were starting, would you get a raft or would you get a boat? And your answer was? Yeah, I would say if you're just starting, get a raft. Um, and the reason being with a raft, they're going to hold your value better than a drift boat will. Drift boats are a lot like cars. The molds will stay the same. Um, but I would say getting like a three-person raft on a trailer. And the reason being... Um, you're not going to damage a raft like you would with a drift boat. Anything that you can row in a drift boat, you can row in a raft, not vice versa. You can kick the snot out of them. I mean, I bought a raft and trailer when I lived in the Northwest, you know, and I sold it for $500 less, uh, three years after kicking the snot out of it. Um, so the raft's great because you can get away with more slop in your rowing. You can bounce off rocks. You're not going to put a hole in it and sink. I mean, I don't right. advise that you do, but having a raft... Um, you know, you're going to still, you're going to learn how to row. You can kind of get away with a little bit more mistakes. And then, you know, if you become an animal on the oars, you can run bigger water if you're comfortable with that. So, you know, boats like a, a, an air, like a pack 1300, which is an air super Puma with an NRS frame. So that's sold by outcast. That's a great, that's a great boat, you know, get us, I would say get a self bailer so you can run out of trouble. I mean, right. I think one newer rowers, like one thing they forget to do is check when they drop anchor. So if you drop anchor in like a boulder garden and the anchor gets pinned, it's going to pull your stern, which is the back of the boat under. So having that self bailer, the water will flush through and you won't swamp it. But I think getting, getting a raft is a, is a newer, as a new rower is the way to go. I mean, drift boats, you know, it, it's, if you're guiding really big rivers and that's all you're going to do, but getting a raft is going to open up pretty much everything to you. Yeah. And I think that that's definitely going to help because I mean, I've been canoe floating most rivers for the majority of my life and that's completely counter 
intuitive to raft floating, right? I mean, it's just com- you you point towards danger in a raft and row away from it in a canoe. You point away from danger and row like hell to avoid it. It, it just completely goes backwards. And so I'm sure I'm going to smoke the shit out of just about any boat that I buy originally. So my girlfriend, my fiance, I always screw that up. Uh, Bought, my girlfriend and I, fiance and I, bought a 30-year-old RV. We renovated it. We're going to take this big, long Western journey to figure out where we want to live next. It's funny because I met a guy at REI once that was talking to me about maps. He just moved here from the Northwest, and he kind of said what you said, where he was like, I came from Oregon, and Oregon's awesome, but everything there is there. It looks the same everywhere. It's all gorgeous, but it's all the same. Here in Missouri, we have this like crazy eco-diversity. We have all kinds of different landscapes, different biological zones, glades, balds, deep forests, timberlands, all kinds of stuff. And so people that are really into landscape really dig Missouri. But if you're from Missouri, you're like, it's flat and it's <laughs> cold as shit or really hot. Uh, right. So the Pacific Northwest to us seems like this crazy adventure land. But it's funny to hear someone... Uh, echo some of the sentiments of like, yeah, I kind of had to get away from that to see diversity. So yeah, it's, it's, that's kind of what's in the back of my mind when I'm thinking about a boat is when we land there, like we're not getting a boat while towing a car, driving an RV across the Western United States. Uh, I'd like to be that (laughs) 70 foot long wagon, but I'm not going to be that guy. Uh, And I'm not going to drag a raft on top of the RV every time that we leave and go somewhere. But uh, when we land, I think, you know, that's kind of one of my long-term goals is to have my own boat. So I'm just always asking people like, what would you get? Thanks for sharing the model and what you would go with, you know? So if you had, now that you've got all the experience and you know what the hell you're doing in, on the oars and you had all the money, what would be like the Rolls Royce of boats for you if you just had one dropped in your lap? Yeah, I mean, it's funny you say that. I love, I row a row skiff. It's a 15-footer, and there's different types of drift boats. There's skiffs, there's low sides, there's high sides, and that's just going to dictate, like, basically how big a flow. Um, I mean, probably the next boat I'm going to get is the one model bigger than mine, so I'll get the row tailwater skiff. it's just because it's wider, it tracks a little straighter, and the river that I guide primarily, the Juan, like, my smaller boat's great, but I just want more storage. Is really, <clears throat> really what it comes down to. I mean, if I had all the money, brother, I'd have three boats. I'd have a raft, I'd have a drip boat, and I'd have a bass boat. And yeah. I'd rip it up. Yeah. That's the way. I mean, once you, boats are dangerous, man. Once you start to get into them, you're like, well, you know, now I need a raft so I can do low water and fast water and rocky water. And now I need a, a motor boat so I can go to the lakes. So I would say, man, if you had the money, get all three. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Yeah. My parents have a 49 foot deep water water sailboat so i'm well into the world of how much you can really get out of control and out of hand uh it, it's pretty i'll tell you off off air what their budget or what their uh their their boat's name is it'll make you giggle uh it's pretty well, funny uh, sorry. go ahead oh i was just gonna say but i will say this if you're thinking about getting a boat mm-hmm you better love to row because you're going to be rowing it 95% of the time. Yeah. Um, so the best thing you can do for your friends is buy a boat is, is what they say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's the idea is uh, don't be the guy that owns the boat. Be the friend of the guy that owns the boat. He's the guy that's got to clean it. He's the guy that's got to tow it. He's got to be the guy that's got to store it all that. And we're, we're experiencing that with our RV right now is our friends are going to have a lot of fun with our RV and they're not going to have to do all the work that I've put in for the last two years to get it 
to where it's at. So I fully understand where you're coming from with that, man. So uh, final question that I'll share with you, and it's a pretty simple one. I think you've probably already answered it in one of your videos, but one of my super awesome fly fishing buddies here in St. Louis and an aquatic biologist and a far, far more experienced angler than me, uh, Eric asked, if you were walking out the door and could only bring one leader set up with you, what would you bring? For, for Euro or just for in general? Uh, let's do both. Yeah, I mean, if I had one leader, it would just be a nine, a, a, a tapered nine foot five X leader. For, 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 because like it's going to cover pretty much all your trout situations. You know, you can always splice more tippet into it. And then, like, if I need to go hawk screamers, I'll just chop that thing back. Gotcha. So, for, for just, you know, conventional fly fishing, <laughs> you know, that. And then for Euro, I mean, I would run, you know, like a 20 foot butt section, a 10 pound test, uh, maximum chameleon, three feet of eight pound amnesia. And then I'd use a 2X cider, 18 inches to a tippet ring. Very Those cool. Would be my two go-tos. <laughs> Very cool, man. Well, I appreciate it, man. This was really fun getting to know you and kind of understanding a lot more about what it means to be a guide and what you like about New Mexico and the rivers and all that kind of stuff. So, dude, I really appreciate it. This was fucking dope. Uh, man, AJ, it's been a blast. So thank you for uh, inviting me on. It was, it's been a pleasure. So, <laughs> <laughs> Cheers to you, man. Send me some links for your guide buddies, and I'll put them in the, the description on the website and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. See you, buddy. Uh, when I come to New Mexico, I'll uh, I'll come guide with you, or I'll, I'll come fish with you, I should say. Awesome, man. I know a guy that knows some of those rivers real well. <laughs> Sounds good, man. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. See ya.